Dynasty Theory is now a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts, and we could not be more excited. Tune in each and every week when we provide actionable advice to help you navigate through the crazy world of Dynasty Fantasy Football. We're always diving into quickly changing values, market inefficiencies, and opportunities to help you build those dynasties. Make sure you also check out the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Enjoy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your host, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Oh, yes, I am Dan Myler. That is Ryan McDowell, and we have Matt Price here as well. We are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Episode 534 of the podcast is brought to you by the best and easiest place to play fantasy football. That's underdogfantasy.com. And this Episode is also sponsored by No House Advantage, no the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available. Guys, so much to talk about, so much dynasty related content to get to in this episode. But first, we got to bring in our guys, Matt. How you doing, bud? Doing well. Uh, it's exciting week two. In some regards, much different than week one. Uh, so we got two data points. Hopefully, we get again more clarity. You know, after our third data point in week three, and we can really start dialing down on the value of these guys and how we want to play the rest of the season for our contending teams. Yeah, good good point there. We have more information now. We still don't want to overreact. Certainly don't want to underreact either. Ryan, did you have a major takeaway from, from week two or, or really the season to this point? Um, just such such high scores, right? So many players putting up big time fantasy games. Um, and of course, we saw it with uh, with the Dolphins receivers this week, and, and really the entire Dolphins offense. But uh, just just some big time fantasy production, uh, which is what we like to see. We just need to figure out who it's going to come from each week. Yeah, there. You know, the injuries was the thing that really stuck out to me. There's so many injuries that are. You know, we got so lucky during the preseason as dynasty managers. I know there were serious injuries across the league. Didn't necessarily affect the the fantasy game directly, but now we're we're really going into week two and now week three of some injuries. Uh, George Kittle comes to mind for that. He he wasn't really hurt in the preseason. It was the lead up to game one. And now he's missed multiple games. There's so many other guys that are are missing time. Guys hurt in practice like Gabe Davis. And we're, we're forced to make these adjustments. I, I don't think we can ever get truly ready for those injuries to come, especially those midweek ones. They're kind of gross. Uh, we got a lot to get to, though. We, we want to talk about some of the news around the league. Uh, we're going to set the line, of course. We're going to jump in the Dynasty DeLorean. Matt prepared that for us this week. That'll be a fun uh, fun, fun thing to do for sure. Uh, but first, let's, uh, let's hit the startup. The startup. I had the... the uh, the I was so happy to spend a little time with Ryan this weekend. We we uh, we spent some time went to a Packers game, and Ryan we we talked way too much about one specific uh, division rival of the Packers, that one one specific player on their roster, Amon Ra St. Brown, and and Matt. I'm sure you watched the game. You you've of course seen Amon Ra just blow up over the last year, really since he. Since he took the league by storm late last season, some stats about Amon Ross St. Brown that are really shocking. Nine catches, 116 yards, and two touchdowns on Sunday. 12 targets for ARSB. That's not the shocking part. That's pretty normal. Eight straight games with at least eight receptions. Over that span, guys, 68 catches for 788 yards and eight touchdowns with double-digit targets in every single game. If you, If you, like... Spread that out over an entire season, that's 145 catches, 1,675 yards, and 17 touchdowns. Just to put that in perspective, Cooper Cup had the best receiver season of all time last year and scored 435.7 points. Uh, Amon Ra St. Brown's pace over the last eight games is just 21 points behind that. So Cup had 145 catches. Uh, ARSB right at that 1900 yards ARSB at 1675 16 touchdowns St. Brown with 17 Matt he is he is unreal I think 
I think we need to change the the way we look at this guy. And I feel like I'm guilty of it because I you know, I talk a lot on this show, as you guys know, <laughs> and I don't talk enough about this guy. He's awesome. Well, we had, you know, we had all these preconceived notions that this was all because, you know, Hawkinson was out last year, Swift missed time. There was other, oh, other real receiving options. And, you know, we, we chalked it up to the fact that that's where the production came from. It wasn't that this guy was that all that good. It was just that he was the only only person to throw the ball to in, in Detroit last season. That's clearly not the case. Uh, it seems to me like the answer that people were trying to solve every year, like you mentioned, all offseason, all Dan, like you mentioned, of, of who is the Cooper Cup of the 2022 season, it's pretty clear that it's, that it's uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. I'm just going to call him the sun god. I feel like he's earned <laughs> that moniker now. I don't even want to use his, his actual name. He is the sun god. Um, you wrote on here, you know, maybe I'm skipping a little ahead, uh, Dan, but you wrote where I should be ranked among wide receivers. I've moved him up to wide receiver 12, so he's firmly a wide receiver one for me at this point. I like that. I, I think that's a fair place to start with Amon Ra. You know, Ryan, a guy this young, I think I think he's 23 years old. Yeah, still right? 22, actually. Or about to, about to turn yeah. 23 this season. Um, and putting up these kinds of numbers... I think if Amon Ra St. Brown was a first-round NFL draft pick, there would be people banging the table for him to be the number one pick in Dynasty right now. I could see that because he's had the production. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, well, really almost any wide receiver over this over this span of uh, the back half of last season plus these first couple games, he's he's matching all of those as you as you kind of already laid out there. Uh, looking at our current ADP, and, and that ADP was from the preseason, he was wide receiver 17 in that ADP set and uh, 36 overall. So that's that's actually kind of higher than where I would have expected him to be uh, prior to the start of this year. But now, I mean, look at how high we can move him, and that's kind of the conversation. You know, I, I asked on Twitter uh, just a couple days ago, uh, who's who's the wide receiver for in Dynasty? If we assume Chase, Jefferson, and Cooper Cup are the top three, and, and you know, maybe maybe that's debatable with Cooper Cup's age. Yeah. But if we assume at least Jefferson and and Chase are the top two, I ask who was the wide receiver for, and there were a ton of responses that said Amon Ra St. Brown. So oh. I don't know if I'm ready to move him up quite that high in my own rankings. Um Honestly, I think Matt's area of wide receiver 12 might be a floor. I mean, you look at the guys ahead of him in our ADP. Again, that's preseason. Deontay Johnson, Drake London, even though he's been very good himself. Um, DJ Moore, DK Metcalf. I think he's certainly ahead of all of those. Devontae Adams, he is ahead of. Um, You know, T. Higgins, Debo Samuel. I think he has to go ahead of those guys. So he's he's pretty easily getting inside the top 10 uh, at that rate. I'm sure that if his name was Devontae Smith and he was drafted in the top 20 of the NFL draft, he would he would be considered a top three startup pick right now. But he was drafted in the fourth round by the Lions and had a slow start to his rookie season. And even though he came on gangbusters late last season, as Matt said, we all made excuses and and kind of came up with reasons why. Oh, Hawkinson was hurt. They don't really have another receiver. That offensive line uh, was breaking down at times late in the season, and he was taking a lot of those three and four and five yard catches early on in his run. Then he broke out a little bit more and started pressing the seam a little bit more. And now early in 2022, He's taking that to the next level, right? He's he's running that deep over route and making plays there. He's taking on uh, top corners out of the slot and beating them in man coverage for big plays. And that, that target number just keeps growing. Talking about multiple uh, double-digit um, target games to start off the season, 12 targets on Sunday and catching nine of them. He's also catching jump balls in the back of the end zone. This guy's supposed to be a, a slot receiver. You know, I, I agree with you guys. That That's probably the floor uh, at wide receiver 12. I see these names like like CeeDee Lamb and T. Higgins even. And and I have a hard time putting their names up above Amon Ross St. Brown. I got to be honest with you. Even Jalen Waddell, who's been one of my favorite players to come out over the last few seasons, 
I want Amon Ross A. Brown over him right now. So you can have Chase and Jefferson at the top. I'll give you A.J. Brown as well. But as soon as we start talking about Cup, who's 29 years old, and uh, T. Higgins and CeeDee Lamb, Michael Pittman even, we need to talk about Amon Ross St. Brown, and I would put him at the top of that foursome. Yeah, I think I think five is five or six is like kind of as high as I can get them get him, but but I think I think I think you guys convinced me. I think twelve is twelve is probably still too low. I still I still think those top two. I think maybe AG AJ Brown and for me certainly Jalen Waddle. Um, but after that, I mean, it's hard to make an argument for anyone other than Amon Ross St. Brown. I got to move CD Lamb down. I just did that. Um, so yeah, I I agree with you guys. It's he's he's a top six wide receiver. I think. So let's talk ADP then. If if he's gonna if we're gonna all agree that he belongs in that top six or eight wide receivers, how high should he be going in a startup? If we're if we're firing that up right now, Matt, and you have a bottom of the first round pick, are you considering Amon Ross St. Brown? He might be somebody you have to take at the turn at the very at at the very least, you know, at the at that twelve thirteenth pick somewhere around there. Um, you know, depending on how you feel about the running backs in the first round, maybe you get him up to seven or eight. Um, but I think at the turn, you seriously have to consider him. What's the what's the actionable thing we can do right now, Ryan? Uh, you know, it's great to talk about startup value, and I agree with Matt. Uh, I can get your thoughts on that as well. But but we're in season here, and we're we're making moves, right? We're we're on the trade market. If you want to go get yourself Amon Ross St. Brown. You're gonna to have to pay up. You're gonna to have to. You're gonna to have to move a guy that's probably a fringe first round pick in startups, uh, and maybe add on to that offer. Is there something savvy we can do? What's you know? We'd like to say, well, let's offer let's offer one of these aging wide receivers for a young guy that's putting up these big numbers. I don't know a guy that I play with at least that's that's taking one of those guys. So what can what can we do to try to get him on our teams? Well, I mean, we're we're all certainly in agreement on St. Brown. We're all uh, believing in him at this point, whether we were making some of those excuses we talked about uh, earlier this offseason. Uh, it doesn't matter at this point. We're we're buying in. Um, I don't think everybody is, though. You know, I, I still think there are okay. going to be some doubters out there. I still think there are going to be some people who are going to uh, make excuses, whether it's target competition or Jamison Williams is the real wide receiver one there. He'll be there soon or Jared Goff stinks or, um, you know, draft capital and that St. Brown was a a day three pick, whatever it was. I I still think, um, I I don't think this, this ranking, this value that we're putting on him is going to be the consensus quite yet. So I do think there's still a buying opportunity. If you want to move one of those players in that range, you know, could you trade DK Metcalf for him? even up. I think there's some leagues where you could get that done. Uh, DJ Moore, even up. I think there are some leagues where you could get that done. Um, I I do think we're guilty. I know I am uh, guilty of kind of getting locked into our leagues where we're playing against other analysts or some of the most active dynasty players on Twitter. And as much, you know, as much as we love those leagues, they're not necessarily representative of all of dynasty. So I do still think there's a buying opportunity where you don't have to give up, you know, three future first for him or something like that. And uh, uh, Dan, I'm, I'm with you. Most of my leagues, uh, you know, Hill or Adams or uh, somebody like that is not going to get it done. But again, I think there are leagues where that type of trade could happen. I've got, I pulled up the trade finder, uh, a couple of trades stick out. This one was done on Sunday. So I presume before the games, super flex league, one of our, one of the safe leagues, uh, that I think you still help out with Ryan yep. and Scott, yep. Scott fish runs Davis mills, uh, for Amon Rob St. Brown and a second, mm. uh, that person's probably regretting it. Some, some more, maybe the leagues that maybe close to the leagues that we play in. Oh, this is a, this is a one quarterback league. Um, but still, uh, uh, Cooper Cup for St. Brown and a fir- and 24 first. Uh, San- uh, Devontae Smith for a 23 second and, and a 23 second for, for the Sun God. So 
like you said, these deals are out there. I mean, maybe they're not. These again, these are are Sunday morning, presumably happening. So maybe that's not happening now. But I think I think you're right. And some of these, you know, maybe not analyst leagues or whatever you want to call them, uh, the home leagues, things like that. These guys are not on top of that yet. I think they still have this stigma that the Lions are the Lions. Yeah. And uh, they're not the Lions anymore. They're not the lie downs anymore. Dan. I mean, Dan, go go back to you and I were talking about some trade offers before those games on Sunday, and we decided uh, that Chris Godwin for St. Brown was a fair offer. Now, not necessarily that we expected that to to be accepted, uh, or that was a smash accept or anything like that. But even as of just a few days ago, that felt like a fair offer, and now. I mean, I wouldn't even make that offer, honestly, because I, I don't think it would be close to enough. So we kind of had this conversation earlier as well. What happened on in week two? I know he had a great game, obviously, but what happened in week two that suddenly flipped the switch for Amon Ross St. Brown, right? I mean, you laid out all the numbers that he's done this for basically eight games in a row you know, a month and a half to end last season, and we still weren't quite believing. He had a great game in week one, still didn't really talk about him, and now finally we're all, we all seem to be waking up that this guy needs to be valued in, in the way we've talked about him. You know, what, what I, took so I long? actually have a take on yeah. that. I, well, it's like I said, I, I'm going to take the blame for it. it. As far as the three of us and, and our uh, the, those that listen to this podcast – it's mostly my fault because I I was so slow coming along and and part of that was preconceived notions from the NFL draft that I was clearly wrong and I I pushed him down my board and I didn't draft him anywhere and I regret it and now I'm regretting not reacting quickly enough even last year but certainly after week one this this year as well I think the reason that that all of a sudden there's so much gunpowder surrounding this. And, and this, this story is kind of exploding, is, is the national media picked up on this whole eight straight games with a touchdown and the, the streak and, and all those things. I've heard it on ESPN. I've heard it on fantasy sports radio, and I've heard it on podcasts in the last few days. And, and you know, we're as guilty as everybody else that we just weren't picking up on it. He is a superstar, and we're treating him like a fourth-round NFL draft pick still. So, you know, I, I think the, the, the main takeaway should be from this that, that there is still maybe a sliver of an opportunity to go get Amon Ross St. Brown. I would not sell high on him. I, I'm not convinced that he's reached, reached his peak. If you get that offer of multiple first-round picks, even with it be 2023, I am not accepting that deal. I want to see this thing out, and I am not afraid of what – what what happens in Detroit? I know Jamison Williams is coming. I know that that Goff is maybe playing over his head a little bit. They're going to score points, and Amon Ra is going to be one of the guys. Him and him and Swift are going to be the ones going and getting it. The one thing I did want to offer up to the the trade discussion that we had, I think that the cross positional angle is the way to go. I would much re- like go talk about go offer Najee Harris for. Oh, yeah. For ARSB, and you might even get something added to that because all the Harris hype. Um, Austin Eckler, I think, is an excellent guy to go shop and try to go get St. Brown because of the name value. Saquon Barkley is a good one to talk about. Dalvin Cook, all these guys that are 26 years old, 27, sticking around the second round of our ADP. I think that's the place to start. Sleeper Stash of the Week. Uh, it's time for the stash of the week brought to you by sleeper, where we take a look at a player outside our top 280 P and we think should be on their way to your roster. Ryan, who do we got this week? Yeah, I went, I went way down the list, way outside of the top 200. I actually am checking out our, uh, top 250 rankings at DLF. And, um, maybe we should call this the top 290 or 300 because this guy is ranked 290th overall rookie running back Jordan Mason Uh, I mean it's kind of the same old song in San Francisco running backs get hurt we saw Elijah Mitchell get hurt in week one we saw uh, Ty Davis Price get hurt in week two Mitchell's going to miss two months TDP's going to miss a few weeks I believe that was a high ankle sprain 
so, you know, it's frustrating if you're counting on those guys, but guys like Jeff Wilson or Jordan Mason are going to get an opportunity. Wilson has his own injury history to worry about. Jordan Mason's going to get a chance at some point. Uh, he's actually only ranked by one person, one of our rankers here at DLF. Uh, so maybe still even on your waiver wire, go grab him if he's out there. Uh, if, if not, uh, you know, maybe even consider making a trade for him because, like I said, I do think he's going to get some opportunity at some point. And that's our Stash of the Week brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy football platform in the world. Download their app, join a new dynasty league, or migrate yours to their platform and enjoy how easy they make it to manage all your leagues in one place. Join millions of players today on Sleeper, the number one fantasy football platform. Before we move on in the show, guys, I thought we'd talk about some of the top stories from Dynasty Fantasy Football through two weeks so far. Um, let's uh, let's just spitfire these things and, and have a little conversation. I think the first one, Ryan, has to start down in Miami. We, I actually had a hard time deciding what the startup would be this week because Amon Ross St. Brown is so good, and I wanted to talk about it, make a focus on it. But there's one other story, and that's Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, and Tua Tungavaloa down there in Miami just just wrecking daily fantasy lineups, making uh, making huge money there, and then scoring so many for, so many points for us in dynasty leagues. You know, the production has been there for both receivers and the quarterback, really, through two weeks. They put on a show against Baltimore this week. But I think a lot of dynasty managers, Ryan, right now are wondering if they can if they can keep up this this top end production. Yeah, I think that's the big question. I feel like uh, Matt was ahead of the game on this one because (laughs) this uh, I don't want to jump ahead too much to our set the line, but. Uh, his set the line last week, of course, was about Waddle and Tyree Kill and, and what their fantasy production would be like in week two. And, Dan, you know, spoiler alert, we blew that one. Whoops. We we both called <laughs> under on that, and uh, it was – oh, my gosh, yeah. Really, really bad. Um, in fact, Matt, I can't remember what your exact line was, but I think both of those guys – individually they did they both they both knocked it out the line was 37 and a half points and both scored over 40 points yeah so, so on their own individually <laughs> they hit that number uh, dan and i could not have been more wrong but uh, the good news is i think dynasty players have been right on these guys uh, especially waddle i know all three of us are big fans of his value him as a top five or six dynasty wide receiver uh, we saw his his value take a little bit of a hit when that trade went down and Tyreek Hill landed in Miami. And, you know, interestingly enough, both of those wide receivers saw their value uh, go down as a result of that deal because of the competition, the uncertainty about Tua. So I really don't think this conversation needs to be about the wide receivers. We already like them. We know they're talented. We've seen it. This is a Tua conversation for me. And there was so much doubt about him, even even with these two elite wide receivers and I know it's only two games and really just one amazing game, but um, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if he's a dynasty quarterback one almost by default, because if you look at the back end of that quarterback, uh, those quarterback rankings or ADP, you know, you're talking about guys like Trey Lance and Justin Fields who are losing value. Uh, you're talking about veterans like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and Matt Stafford who are losing value and not very many of those mid-range quarterbacks are really moving up, and Tua certainly is. It was really unbelievable, the, the show they put on, especially late in the game, both receivers over 11 receptions, both with two touchdowns, and both clearing 170 receiving yards. Uh, you know, I think you're right. The, the real story is Tua. And, you know, when we think back, Matt, to the preseason – I think the first thing you think of is that that wobbly duck that Tyreek had to wait on, right? And then that painted painted a picture for dynasty players that oh, he's no Patrick Mahomes, not going to be able to get the ball to these guys. But he has he has turned the page on that a little bit. He hasn't forced the ball way downfield really. A lot of these plays are are just deep crosses or even crossing routes 
that Hill and, and Waddle are turning up the field and turning into big plays. They they're massive weapons, and Waddle has has changed his game really this year. He's a different receiver for the good, of course. Instead of catching that crosser and going all the way across the field, it's like he's immediately turning up the field and and trying to make it into a touchdown, not just stretching it out and making getting as many yards as possible. I've seen a difference there. When it comes to Tua, though, we, we have to kind of bake in these values to him as a dynasty asset because although we talk about Tyreek is, is getting closer and closer to 30, he's going to be around a while. Jalen Waddell is just getting getting things fired up. Tua is going to have the benefit of these two receivers for three, maybe even four more years, and we need to consider that when not only when we're when we're making trades and doing startups, but but certainly when we're citing our lineups, even if you're in a single quarterback league. Uh, ab- yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we talked about this a little bit in the off season. Like, there's obviously no way this is a quarterback upgrade, you know, for Tyree Kill, but we discounted the fact that. You know the second half of the season when the Chiefs adjusted their offense to deal with the the the, the two high safeties, he became this player. Uh, so this I really think this has a chance to be a very special offense with these two. And we're not even talking; I mean, these are two of the fastest receivers in the league. And then you know add in Raheem Mostert, you know who's whatever he's an old running back, but he's one of the fastest running backs in the league. You throw in Mike Gesicki, who I thought was dead after week one, and, you know, I'm still not super excited about him, but he's one of the most athletic tight ends in the league. So this offense, from an athletic, from a speed standpoint, I think has a really, really has a chance to be special, and Tua is the distributor of that. He doesn't have to have be able to throw the ball, you know, 60 yards in the air downfield to make these two receivers and this offense work. So uh, I've moved uh, Tua up to quarterback 13, I believe, just outside of that that quarterback one range, like you mentioned, Ryan, um, and I think there is an argument, like you said, to move him even higher higher than that. So, who do you have like directly ahead of him? I'm I'm interested in that ten to twelve range because I'm I'm not sure what to do there, honestly. Yeah, I've I moved him. Uh, I moved Lance way down. We'll talk about him in a minute. So I have him just ahead of Lance and just behind uh, Deshaun Watson, and that is certainly an, an argument we can make. We're not going to see Watson until much later in the year, but just ba- go, based on what we know of Watson from the last time we've seen him play, um, I haven't made it made it made that move yet to move him above him. I think um, Watson yeah, could right actually there, go higher, range. honestly. Yeah, yeah, I can see that too. What do you think, Ryan? Where do, where does he belong for you? Well, you know, Tua. I'm, I right, mean Tua. Right. We had actually had a similar conversation recently on the Locked On Dynasty podcast with Matt Williamson, and and we got through nine quarterbacks that we feel really good about in, in Dynasty, and and honestly, Watson was was in that group. And after nine, I don't know who the quarterback ten is. It. I mean, I guess it could be Russell Wilson, or it could be Dak Prescott. Both of those guys losing value for different reasons. Maybe you're hanging on to Justin Fields. But I think Tua's, I think Tua's in that conversation. Tua could be as high as yeah. quarterback 10. Yeah, and maybe as low as, as 14 yeah. or even 15 if you really want to get aggressive or you really believe in these veterans to stick around and, and maybe return some of that value. We need to move on to the next little bitty information, and it's not little bitty at all. The Trey Lance injury, guys, it was devastating for him. I, th- I think potentially even devastating for the 49ers, honestly. They they really need him to become the player they expect him to be. I don't know. We're just talking about rankings, guys. Uh, Brian, where do you think Trey Lance factors into your rankings right now among quarterbacks? It's just a depressing conversation because it's a player that we were so excited about that felt like he had a ton of upside uh, but the reality is it's going to be three, almost three full seasons with very little uh, on-field action for him between the, uh, the rookie season, sitting out his final college season, and, and, and then now the injury. So the 49ers are not going to know what they have. They didn't know what they had last, uh, this year. Uh, and, and obviously was not off to a good start even before the injury. I mean, he's, he's got He's got to plummet down rankings. Um, all, all the names that we've talked about, I would rather have. Um, you know, I mean, we're, we're talking like Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, Zach Wilson range. Uh, Ooh, yeah. I might need to move him down more than I have him at quarterback 14 right now, just ahead of Aaron Rodgers. 
Um, but I can understand wanting to move him lower than that too. I mean, the, the, the Niners are going to be in such an interesting spot. You know, the, the conversation over the past few days have been that they were so smart to keep Garoppolo and rework that deal. And, and they certainly were. I mean, I think, of course, in, in hindsight, that looks like a great move. But they also gave Garoppolo a, a no trade and no tag clause. And he's going to be a free agent after this season. And there's, you know, if he wants to leave town, he's leaving town. And now they have nothing at quarterback right they have nothing after spending uh, multiple first rounders to move up and get trey lance uh, it's it's just really really sad i mean and then, obviously and then what happens the if player mostly and then what happens if garoppolo leads them to maybe another super bowl i don't think that's going to happen but you know it goes deep into the playoffs whatever it is and they have that huge decision to make they have lance who you know it was we, they knew as a developmental player that's why he set out basically all of his rookie season now he's not going to have time to really develop maybe, i guess from the you know the playbook standpoint the scheme standpoint and all that stuff but it's not the same as in-game reps so uh yeah the, this 49er team is has some big decisions to make coming up i think the- This is a fun conversation, but really we need to talk about it from a dynasty perspective. If you have them on your team right now, Matt, are you looking to sell or are you holding out and waiting? I don't don't think you can unless you were a competing team that in a super flex league that needs a quarterback to like to to stay a competing team. Like that's the really one of the only scenarios I could see where you would. It would, it would be okay to move on from him because you're just not going to – I mean, three weeks ago, you probably could have got – it probably would have cost you two firsts, maybe more. Now, are you going to get even a single first for him? I'm, I, I'm not sure that many people are willing to make that move, even even teams uh, that are not competing, that are rebuilding after what we've seen from the first two weeks. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not selling him either. We can't sell low. I do – I have seen some guys out there shopping him around, though. They're, they're ready to move on and – and I guess I understand that. I just I just don't condone it. <laughs> uh, one thing I do condone, uh, starting Drake London and Garrett Wilson in your fantasy lineup. Those rookie receivers, Ryan, they're off to impressive starts. I think, especially with Wilson, we got the, we got the shades drawn on us just a little bit throughout the preseason. I don't know that he really got those opportunities. Maybe they were they were hiding him just a little bit. But he has been awfully impressive. London, too. Both of them getting open. Both of them making monster plays for their teams and for dynasty managers. What are your thoughts about these two guys? Oh, so so impressive. Uh, I've talked about Elijah Moore on here a ton. I still love Elijah Moore as a, as a dynasty asset. But these two guys, uh, including Garrett Wilson, look like the wide receiver ones on their team already through two weeks. We expected that for Drake London. Uh, but Garrett Wilson has done it as well. Both still have quarterback questions. Both still have overall offense questions, but but they're getting it done despite all of those things. And, I mean, these two guys, we, we talked about St. Brown. These two guys are knocking on the wide receiver one door in Dynasty as well, it, somewhere in that t- 10 to 20 range. And, and wide receiver is so crowded right now that the wide receiver 20 or 25 is going to be really an, an elite player uh and it, it might be it might be these two guys matt if you're doing a, a rookie draft today let's, let's say we're doing it over are you taking those two guys at the top of your rookie draft i uh, yes i think so but i think i know you only put london and wilson in this conversation but i think we need to throw chris Olave in there too his stat line was not as good five for 80 he had that fumble that i don't think was really a fumble but he had a 32.5% target share in week two. All of his peripherals look fantastic. So uh, he's up there along with those two for me at the top of the draft. And I think I, mean, I think you could still argue Brees Hall as the, as the number one, especially after his week two performance. Um, but, you know, we like to build around receivers. So I think these three are, are at least in the same conversation, the same tier with Hall at this point. All the air yards, too, for Chris Olave. 300, 300 some, 365 air yards or something like that? Yeah. I don't know if I've ever – I don't know if I've seen a number that high. Yeah, we need to look into that. That is that that's got to be a rookie record it's gotta for be, sure. Yeah. And, like, that's Randy Moss's rookie season we'd have to go back to to see, find those kind of air yards. Um, and Drake London, the best receiver on the team. Uh, and he, you mentioned he's the wide receiver one. He's the receiver one in that offense because – Kyle Pitts, who we'll get to in a minute. We, we, 
okay, let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> it's time to set the line. Yeah, let's set the line, guys. We already talked about how uh, Ryan and I missed by just a smidgen on the uh, on the Dolphins receivers last week. Matt, uh, how's it looking for all of us? Yeah, uh, Dan, we didn't do so good on Ryan's either. Ryan set Mike Williams' line at 20.2 fantasy points. He ended up with 25.3, so we both lost that one. Uh, Ryan so I'm and I, 0-2? You are 0-2 this week. Ryan, oh, you, you missed on Montel and Waddle. You missed on Mike Williams. Uh, and Ryan and I both took uh, the over on one-and-a-half touch, passing touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers. He threw two. Uh, so we won there. So Ryan and I are both one and one on the week. You're zero and two total for the two weeks so far. Ryan three and one. I'm two and two, and you are bringing up the rear at one and three, Dano. Oh well, let's try to fix that. Since I'm bringing up the rear, I'll go first uh, for this week. Week three lines, and I'm going back to Kyle Pitts oh boy. because Matt. Oh boy. I think you got to talk about him a little bit. Kyle yeah, you Pitts so far in two games. Both games, same stat line. Two catches, 19 yards. And and I watched some of this this game uh, over my lunch break today. Kyle Pitts did get doubled a lot on on Sunday. So, you know, it's it's nothing against the player, but the production just hasn't been there. Through two weeks, he, he isn't even a tight end two right now either week. So we're talking about him down in the 30s and 40s even among tight ends each week. At Seattle next week. Uh, Seattle in in week one gave up seven catches for 85 yards to tight ends. In week two, just one catch for 38 yards, but it was a touchdown to Ross Dwelly in San Francisco. Total of 26.3 points have been scored by f- tight ends uh, in PPR leagues against this defense. That's an average of 13.15 fantasy points per game. Matt. Does Kyle Pitts go over or under 13.15 fantasy points in week three? I'm going over. The the, the Kyle Pitts hate <laughs> is, is ridiculous at this point. We talked about this before week one when we were talking about players that could, would be potential buy options after a slow start. The, the Falcons have played a tough Saints defense where Kyle Pitts saw a ton of Lattimore. They played a tough Ram pass defense in week two where he saw a ton of Jalen Ramsey and double teams. Drake London is very is a very good receiver, but he's benefiting a lot from all of the attention sent Kyle Pitts' way, and that may not change in Week Three, um, but at some point it's going to happen. I don't think I don't think these guys are both going to have big games in, in the same week. I think we're going to start seeing alternating weeks, or you know, two for London, one for Pitts. You know, a, as it goes, I don't think they're both going to have big fantasy weeks in the same week. But for this week against Seattle, over thirteen point one five fantasy points for me. Ryan? I think I'm going to go over as well. Um, you know, Ooh. we've got to see we've got to see some Pitts production at some point. I did want to ask Matt what he thought about uh, Pitts coach Arthur Smith with the, you know, this is not fantasy football <laughs> comment. We Stupid. try to win games. They're 0-2, and they're not using their, their former uh, top five pick. Uh, I mean, maybe the concern is the coaching staff, not Pitts specifically. Well, yeah, not- this this isn't fantasy football, but it's actual football. And if you have Kyle Pitts, uh, you gotta you gotta use him. <laughs> you gotta put him in positions to help you win games, and they're not doing. He doesn't know how to use Kyle Pitts. The the best reply to that, I don't know what whatever thread it was where that came up was somebody said, "Well, you're not winning games either, <laughs> Arthur." Yeah. So, uh, but Kyle Pitts has played. Uh, he played ninety three percent of the snaps last week to London's eighty two, and week one he played eighty four percent to London seventy two percent. So he's on the field basically the entire like every snap that every dropback that Mario takes. Um, so I, I think this this comes up and thirteen one point one five seems easily surmountable for someone like this. Not for a guy with about what. <laughs> Eight points on the year so far. Quickly, okay. Matt, right. are you trading away Kyle Pitts no. right now for no. Amon Ra St. Brown? No. Not a chance. Ryan? Um, no, I'm going to keep Pitts. No, I'll, I'll take ARSB. I'll do it in a tight end premium, too. Whoa. Uh, Whoa. Let's, uh, let's throw it over to who's in the middle of our standings? Yeah. Matt. Matt, you're in the middle. Give, give us yours. Yeah. Um, I have a. 
We're going to talk about the um, the Chicago Bears, but it's just, you know, not a team I, I enjoy talking Do about. we have but to? We have to, <laughs> under, unfortunately. Under, I'm taking uh, the under. Chicago is, whatever it is. <laughs> you might, you might take it, the under. Chicago is dead last and passed a run ratio through the first two weeks with just 34% of plays through the air, running nearly 66% of the time. Fields has, Justin Fields has just 28 total pass attempts through two weeks. The Bears' number one wide receiver, Darnell Mooney, has only five targets and two receptions for four yards over that span. Over the first two weeks of the season, David Montgomery has seen 72% of the running back snaps to Khalil Herbert's 25%, but Herbert has been more efficient and is dominating the per snap fantasy point. So he has, uh, uh, Herbert is at 0.66 points per snap to Montgomery's 0.33. Montgomery is currently the running back 22 overall, averaging 11.8 points per game. Herbert is the running back 37 overall, averaging 8.2 points per game. In week one, Herbert outscored Montgomery 11.3 to 8. In week two, Montgomery had a had a nice game, mostly because of the volume, uh, 15.6 points to, to Herbert's 5.1. So in week three, the Bears are two-and-a-half-point home favorites against the Texans. Um, so my, my line is, is going to be 6.5, but what you're going to be looking at is David Montgomery will outscore Khalil Herbert by six or fewer points in week three. So I'm setting the line at six and a half PPR points. David Montgomery will outscore him by six points or fewer. There's a lot to take in there, Matt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you guys really gave me crap for not setting it up last time. So I went, I went for okay, it. Okay. You did. You, you laid it all out this time. Um, I, I, I mean, it, the Bears were so intent on giving that ball to David Montgomery in that game. They were down multiple scores against Green Bay. They still didn't let uh, they still didn't let Justin Fields throw the ball. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm taking the over here. I think they want to lean heavily on David Montgomery. I, I like Khalil Herbert a lot, but I think they're especially against the Texans. Houston gave up the RB two game overall in Week One to Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think uh, I think they're going to uh, to give it up to Montgomery as well, and uh, he's going to put up a very nice game. So I'll take the over six and a half point gap or six point gap between Montgomery and Herbert. Yeah, I'm on the over as well. We watched that game, Ryan, and and they they just force fed him even when they were down multiple scores. Khalil Herbert didn't get his opportunity until late in the game. So I guess there's a chance. There's always injury. There's always the, the chance that Herbert's the one that scores the touchdown. I'm pretty confident saying, saying that I would take that line Man. even if it was it was a little higher. I should have said it way higher. Uh, Ryan, what do you got for us? Uh, I mentioned at the top of the show just the crazy amount of production we've seen from uh, from many different players so far uh, through two weeks. And through these two weeks, we have seven players who have scored at least 38 fantasy points in a game. Uh, so obviously an average of three and a half per week. Uh, three of those, by the way, came from the uh, Miami Dolphins to uh, Tyreek and Waddle. Uh, three of those that hit the 38-plus range. Uh, so that's that's the line for week three. Will three-and-a-half uh, players uh, produce 38 or more fantasy points? So I guess, yeah, th- three-and-a-half players at 38 or more. You're taking this one first, Dan. Um, well, I've looked at the NFL schedule for week three and, and it's, uh, there's some juicy matchups for sure. There, there's some opportunities for guys to go off, but man, that is, those are some massive games. We're, we're talking about guys, guys scoring multiple touchdowns and having, uh, double digit catches and still gotta, gotta, gotta go for like 150 yards. So, of course, I'm on Ross St. Brown's going to do it. Oh, my gosh. So, clearly, the way I've talked about it uh, today uh, against the Vikings, I'm. it's really a shot in the dark. I, I think I'm going to take the under because it feels like it's been a little bit heavy. I'll go under. There's only three this week. There's only – oh, there's only three this week, not four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of I mean that's a really good line running. I thought immediately three was the first before you even stopped talking. Just to be different, I feel like we, we everybody's agreed on everything so far. So I'll I'll say the over just to be 
just to be different. Give Dan a chance to catch up a little bit to us. <laughs> or fall behind. We'll <laughs> yeah, for more. the record, uh, out of those seven, six were just this past week in week two. And like I said, three came in the uh, – uh, actually, four came in that game because Lamar Jackson did it as well. So four of the seven uh, were in that in that one game. Well, that doesn't seem wow. good for me. Yeah, well, there, there's some there's some cake matchups for sure. Before we move on to the Dynasty DeLorean guys, let's talk about our buddies over at No House Advantage. Those guys are changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available. Play in pick 'em contests for a shot at winning. 250k or more in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. Bet on up to five player props, uh, those over or unders, or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with our promo code, which is DLF, at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app to get an initial deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You don't want to miss out on this. Let's hop in the Dynasty DeLorean, where we're going. We don't need ADP. Well, we we might have to talk about ADP this time, guys. That <laughs> that read every time gives me chills. I love it. Uh, let's get in the Dynasty DeLorean, Matt. You're you're the one driving, buddy. What do we got? Yeah, we're gonna jump ahead two to three seasons. So we're looking at 2024, 2025. And I want to talk about running backs again. You know, we're all, again, we're all just like last week. Uh, we're all strong comp- competing teams, strong wide receiver cores. We're looking for that cheap running back production. Uh, but, you know, this is dynasty. It, it, it may be better to play the running back position, honestly, from a redraft perspective, even in dynasty. But, you know, we, we might want a little bit more than just this season out of our guys. So I thought we'd take a look at uh, some older running backs in the 25 to 26 year old range and in the 27 to 28 year old range. Um, of the top 50 running backs in September's ADP, 27 of them are 24 years or younger, so those guys are all out. 13 are 25 to 26, 9 are 27 to 28, uh, and one, just one is 29 or older, and that's, I believe, Cordell Patterson, who is uh, 31, I think. Um, so looking at these guys, first taking uh, the 25 to 26 range, we have, we have it's just littered with these old studs, right? We've got Christian McCaffrey at the top, uh, Saquon Barkley, Joe Mixon, Mick Chubb, uh, David Montgomery, Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds, Miles Sanders, Damian Harris, Rashad Penny, Devin Singletary, Daryl Henderson, and Naheem Hines. So out of this group, uh, I guess just pick a couple of them if you if you have any strong leans, any direction. Uh, and what we want to look for here are, are guys that are going to produce at least at, at at least an RB two level or better for the next two to three seasons. For me, it's it's easily CMC and Saquon, and that feels like cheating. Um, but we want these pass catching backs. Um, I don't know if you guys have any leans other than those two. I'm not sure I can get there with anyone else on this list. Oh, I, I actually I thought the the top one was Joe Mixon. Okay, the most likely to be a top 24 running back. I and the only reason I didn't put CMC or Saquon in that category was simply because of the injury histories. Right, they they've been banged up and they miss time and. You know, when we need production, Joe Mixon's always available. It's rare that he misses games, and he can still be depended on for that for that huge workload week in and week out. So if I had to rank them, I'd put those top three as the guys I, I would depend on. But Mixon's number one, and then maybe it might be Nick Chubb number two because he's shown him the ability to stay on the field as well, uh, although I'm not as confident in him long term. And then it comes Saquon and CMC. Yeah, I think Mixon is actually at the top of the list for me as well for those same reasons. Um, I, I like those four names that you mentioned, Dan, and, and, and along with along with Matt, CMC, and Saquon, uh, Saquon Barkley. I mean, those are the top four guys currently on our ADP, and, and they're the top four for a reason. You, you go down that list, and uh, I mean, I think you could tell a story that some of these guys would be out of the league as early as, as mm-hmm. next year, right? So to to try to fast forward and, and jump in that DeLorean three years from now. 
I mean, is Devin Singletary going to be in the league in three years? Is is Rashad Penny or Damian Harris? I'm I'm not confident in that at all. And if they are, they're they're in part of a committee, and they're not going to be putting up RB two type numbers. Yeah, they're already the, in the those committee. other guys are. I'm not confident that they'll do right. it in, in two months, let alone two years. I. I think there's probably some listeners right now, Matt, that are saying, wait a minute, you know, Tony Pollard has all that tread left on his tires. And there's probably guys and gals out there as well saying, wait a minute, David Montgomery's only 25 and he's put up multiple top 24 type seasons. Um, so I think we have to at least tip our hat that, that guys like Miles Sanders and, and Montgomery and Pollard, they have they might have the opportunity to do something like this if they land in just the right situation. But if we're talking about most likely, we're sticking to the top of this list, right? Yeah, absolutely. I do want to point out, though, that Joe Mixon uh, missed 10 games two years ago. So, you know, he's been mostly healthy throughout his career, but he's missed some time, too. And he took that he took a huge a couple of huge hits uh, in in week two. I don't know if you guys saw that where he came off the came out of the, the game. Uh, and then he was, of course, right back two weeks, uh, two two or three plays later. But he he definitely looked like he took it. So my next question from this tier uh, is: obviously, those guys at the top are going to cost you. You're probably paying more than a first for all of those guys. I would say, right? For all of those guys, those top four that we're talking yeah. about. But we want cheap production. So out of the out of the remaining guys, and let's take. I guess we can leave Montgomery in there. Uh, but from the rest of these guys, if we want to try to go get a running back for a, for a second round pick, uh, which which of these guys would you be interested in? Uh, we talked about him last week. I think it's Miles Sanders, and and we watched him on Monday Night Football, guys. And I was a little concerned about him. In fact, I I made bets against him because I watched that game in Week One against Detroit, where he was sharing some of that workload. And they went into that game against the Vikings with the mindset of we're going to get Miles Sanders the ball when we get the lead, and they did it. Mm-hmm. And that offensive line can open up holes. So, you know, Sanders has had some availability issues as well. He certainly missed games, and he's probably been in the doghouse more days than not uh, over the last couple of years with that coaching staff as well because there's been some head-scratching times where we wonder why he's not getting enough touches. If they're going to commit to him like that, and he's got Jalen Hurts to run that zone read off of and make that offense be, you know, or that defense uh, play him fairly, that that's like having an extra blocker. So I'm taking Sanders. I think in a landslide over the rest of that group. I like Sanders as well. Uh, I wouldn't qu- quite say a landslide. I also like Chase Edmonds. We already talked about that Miami offense, and and I've talked about my affinity for uh for their head coach so i'm i'm pretty much buying in all things miami right now so i'm i'm good with chase edmonds and i think for a second rounder if if that's what we're talking we can get any of these guys you got to start looking at tony pollard i think we'll continue to see him play a big role in that offense Let's get down to those 27 and 28 year olds, Matt, before we get out of here. Yeah, I just want to throw out Edmonds. Like, I, I was really disappointed with his workload in the week two, week one. It looked like he was he was getting everything. Uh, the production wasn't necessarily there, but week two, we, we saw Mostert come in and get more snaps and more productive, all that kind of stuff. Um, the 27 to 28 year olds, we got Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook. Again, we're just the, the, the previous studs, right? Uh, Derek Hunt Henry, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, maybe a current stud, uh, Leonard Fournette. Of course, Zeke Elliott, James Conner, and Kareem Hunt to round out that group. I mean, this this one's a little bit tougher, Dan. Uh, where where would you go here if you were looking to have one of these guys for the next two to three seasons? Man, if I if I got to get three seasons out of a guy, you know, you, I think you got to cross Derrick Henry off right Agreed. away. We just don't see thirty one year old running backs be all that productive, except for Cordell Patterson. <laughs> yeah, sort sort. I guess. I guess he's the unicorn of the group. Um, I think it might be Dalvin Cook as the most likely. He's missed games, and I know I'm kind of going against what I said in that other one uh, earlier in the 25 and 26-year-olds. But the change in that offense, and I know Monday Night Football didn't didn't give us a real good glimpse of it, is is at the very least something that we're excited about, right? And the, and the fact that he has the opportunity to catch three, four, five passes every single week if he holds on to them, unlike Monday night. Uh, that that gives him that elite upside, that that Austin Eckler upside, even maybe the Jonathan Taylor type upside, because 
those extra catches, the extra yards that he piles up with it could create create that massive ceiling. So I think if we're going to look at like the most likely guy or the guy I would pick out of this list, I have to get rid of Derrick Henry. I really like Austin Eckler, but everything that he's done through two weeks this year points to that coaching staff not wanting him to get that kind of workload. I think Delvin's getting that. So I'll stick with him slightly over Elvin Kamara and Aaron Jones. I mean, it's such a tough conversation. For the record, I don't want to invest multiple first round (laughs) picks in any of these guys or even a first and a second. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not paying a first for any of these guys at this point, even, you know, even Austin Eckler that's, and that's kind of, that's kind of my MO anyway, as far as spending future capital on, on players that we already know is, is, are losing value. So that's, that's really no surprise, but I mean, we talk about, you know, investing in young players and we're moving guys like Brees Hall and, and, and Javante Williams up our dynasty rankings before they're even, you know, before they're even the starter for their own team. And, and there's a reason for that. It's not, it's not that we just like young players or that we have rookie fever or whatever. It's because the league is changing and we're seeing younger players produce, and we're also seeing at the running back position, players exit the league earlier. I mean, we've got 28-year-old Derrick Henry on this list talking about do we want to count on him for the next two or three years. Todd Gurley is 28. Todd Gurley is 28 right now. Right? David Johnson is 30 years old right now. So two or three years ago, we might have – pick those guys as players we'd like to have for the next two or three years and they're out of the league and we're we're looking at uh what nine guys here right now that are 27 or 28 years old and in two or three years half of them are going to be out of the league would be my guess um and and if i'm trying to maybe if i'm trying to pick the ones that i want to that i would invest in it's going to be aaron jones and kareem hunt those two players, I think, have the least wear and tear on, on, their, on their bodies so far. Both, for much of their career, have been in a, a timeshare. Obviously, Hunt um, with, with Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, now with A.J. Dillon, formerly with Jamal Williams. Neither of those guys have been the full-time guy, full-time back on, on, their, on their own team outside of Hunt's time with Kansas City. It feels like those two guys have the most career left. Yeah, I like the pick of Hunt, especially. If if, if Matt would have got to it and the value, I certainly would have gone that way. He he seems like a guy that really, really, if it wasn't for what happened in Kansas City, he would have kept that job to himself and, and would be getting that workload yeah. that, that Delvin Cook is getting, that that you know some of these other Fournette and others are getting, Mixon as, as well. So... Uh, you know, Hunt has that kind of upside to be that elite top end guy. He just hasn't. Chubb's been in the way, so that, that I, I think you're right, Ryan. To to round this conversation out, really none of them, right? The real answer is none of them. We we don't want to invest in any of them. But Matt, if you are a contender and you had to go after one of the, those are the guys that are out on the market. You're going to pay the least for the most production you can get, right? And yeah. And, Ryan pointed out Aaron Jones is a good good choice there. Hunt as well. Dalvin's going to cost so much more. So you'd you'd pivot to one of those cheaper options. It would not be Zeke for me. No, no. no I was going to say the bottom of that list. I think you only like if we're shopping for seconds here. Hunt th- those those bottom four. I think are the only ones you're maybe getting for a second. So Hunt and Fournette would be my targets out of out of those two. But Fournette really feels. If he really feels like a one-year option. Hunt feels like you get more than that. So I think Hunt is the winner from this group. I think Jones still costs you a first at least, and those four guys above him obviously all cost a first too. Honestly, I wouldn't mind paying a, a kind of a contender level first for Eckler. Um, but through two weeks so far, we are not – seeing the same thing that we saw last year. The, the secret to Eckler's sauce last season was that he was finally getting those goal line touches, and he's not hasn't got those through two games yet this season. I'm well, they made it clear this offseason that they, that they weren't going to do that, and we should have read those tea leaves properly when they made the draft pick in the mid-rounds, and then they, they brought in Sony Michelle right before the season. We should have known that they were not going to use Austin Eckler the same way. The, these teams... They, they lie to us all the time, but they can't lie through those transactions, and we should have saw that one coming. 
Yeah, absolutely. Talking about a three-year window, September 2019 Dynasty ADP. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> some some good names there. Barkley, McCaffrey, Kamara at the top. Nick Chubb is up there. But David Johnson is on that list. Todd Gurley is on that list. Le'Veon Bell is on that list. And all have aged out of the league. Carryon Johnson, by the way, was an RB1 as well. <laughs> oh, that, there's the lesson in this. That entire list, Eckler, Delvin, Henry, Kamara, Jones, Aaron Jones, Fournette, Zeke, Connor, Hunt. If you're not winning a championship now, you need to sell those guys. They're, they need to be moving off of your roster because you're going to run out of time any minute. You probably already did with Zeke. Uh, we got to get out of here, guys. That was a fun episode. We got a great one for you again next week. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.